Good morning. It is Friday. It is October 23rd. It is 7.02 a.m. I'm Todd Brinker. This is Back from the Brink. Aaron will be joining us shortly. We thank you so much for being here. We appreciate your listenership as we truck on through the day, the week, the month, and the year that is 2020. Um, So as we were going to break, Aaron and I were talking about states and when they count mail-in ballots. And, you know, knowing that this year was going to be different and there was going to be more mail-in ballots, I'm surprised there weren't more states who were, um, you know, coming together and saying, hey, let's change our rules a little bit to be a little bit more mail-in friendly. Um, There are a fair number of states, eight of them apparently, that will not even process mail-in votes until the day of the election. And processing means verifying signatures on the envelopes and then taking the ballots out and stacking them into a hopper so that you can then put that hopper into the counting machines. Um, And so it's just doing all that prep work. And then, you know, on election day, then you can stick the hopper in the machine and go very much like a copy machine. It just shoots the ballots through and reads them. you know, like like the old um, bubble in tests when you were in high school um, that you had to take. You know, you bubble them in, and the teacher would run it through a counting machine that would actually score the tests instead of um, you having to uh, to uh, manually do everything. And that's how a lot of um, ballots are counted is by these counting machines. But it does take a little bit of prep work beforehand. And if you can't even start that till election day, that those states are going to be. Uh, hard-pressed to get in all of their results if they indeed have seen a huge increase in the number of mail-in ballots as has been already um, acknowledged that we're seeing a huge upturn and I wonder how many more of those are going to happen between now and election day I mean we're less than two weeks out at this point um, for election day Um, there are uh, let's see looks like about Twelve or thirteen states that allow uh, ballots to be processed when they come in. So as soon as they come in, they will verify signatures. And to me, that makes the most sense. Yay for the folks in Colorado, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, uh, Maryland, Nevada, New Jersey, uh, New York, Tennessee, Texas, and Washington. Uh, oh, Maine, not Maryland, Maine. Um, I happen to live in California, and California says that they can start processing two weeks in advance. So up until then, they just sit in their envelope. But about two weeks in, which would have been this last Tuesday, they start processing, and they can um, verify that, you know, signatures and get them out of envelopes and into, into, um, you know, prepped for the counting machines and ready to go. And, uh, And then there's a whole bunch of states also. There's about nine states that do it two weeks before, and then there's probably 18 states that do it a week before. Um, and all of those seem like adequate ways to handle it. Of course, that all depends on the number, the volume, the number of ballots you get that way. But it seems ludicrous to me to have them sitting there and you're not allowed to touch them until Election Day. And, and that's, that's got to make the, uh, the process run late. I mean, people are going to be working like madmen, which just means chances for errors. Here's Aaron. Hey there. Hey. Welcome. I was, I was just talking a little bit about the uh, the counting again and the way that you know you know some some states aren't even allowed to touch the ballots uh, until 
election day and that just seems so crazy to me i'm shocked that the the, and you brought this up during the radio show that these states their legislatures haven't gotten together and said hey this year we're going to see an unprecedented number of these things maybe we should adjust our rules a little bit in order to um uh handle the counting although i will say this that any attempt to do that gets really scrutinized because anytime you're dinking around with the process of counting votes before an election you're going to get flack from both sides about well whatever you do you're cheating me you know and so Right. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like, oh, like giving us time to actually count things instead of like in a panic doing it on Election Day and rushing through and making all kinds of mistakes because we're in such a rush, you know, because of some law, arcane law that was written back when we had three mail in ballots. Um, you know, that that's going to cause all kinds of horrible things by actually giving us time to do the job right. But others will see that as, hey, you're giving your time to 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 cheat me. You know, you guys will have more time to think of ways to cheat me. Whereas if you do it on the day, you don't have time to do that. You just have to do what you do. So, anyway. Well, well evidently, for whatever reason, that wasn't handled. So, um, you know, are we going to have to wait a month before we get the returns? I mean, yeah. Well, for those eight states that, that can't even process until the day of the election, um, yeah, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. And some of them are not small states. I mean, there's a lot of people in Alabama and Pennsylvania. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. You know, what if you have a mail-in ballot that you hand carry to the registrar? Is that a mail-in ballot or is that a, a regular ballot? Yeah, I don't know what the state laws are. I don't know how that's handled. Can you imagine yeah. if that was the case? You hand carry it to the registrar and they stick it in a bin and say, we'll count it in a week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Thanks for voting. Thanks for also knowing that your vote won't count because the state will have been called and that this will all be over by the time we even look at your ballot. I don't think they, maybe, you know, when the, when the percentage of, of absentee is so low, they can, they can get away with that. But this year, I don't think that's going to be the case. They're going to have to count all of those before they can call the state. I wonder how many, I'm looking now to see how many electors there really are in, in uh, um, Maryland. <laughs> it's like there's like four um, or two. Uh, let's see if I can get to it here. Got to scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Come on, Wikipedia, give me a list. Ah, uh, there we go. Oh, Maryland has ten. I'm I'm surprised they're bigger than I thought they were in terms of electors. Yeah, yeah, you know, but, you know, Alaska has three. And you yeah. could fit, like, 47 Maryland's into Alaska and have room for a West Virginia or two. Um, yes, except that, that Alaska doesn't have population density. Alaska yeah, no, you're right. They they probably have more bears than people. Um, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and let's keep it that way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Welcome to Alaska, yeah. now go home. Exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> and from what I understand, that's sort of the attitude of a lot of the people in Alaska, too. It's like, yeah, you know, nice of you to come visit. Now go away, please. Um, you know, I think that they enjoy tourists to an extent. Like, you know, it's funny. Anybody who lives in a touristy area kind of gets that opinion after a while, it seems like. And it's like, come on, dude. You know, you're here. 
<laughs> How do you, why do you think you're here? Why do you think you, you moved here or your family moved here at some point in the past? It's a nice place right. to be. So don't be so snotty about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, although I gotta say, you know, people used to there were bumper stickers. There were bumper stickers T-shirts in the '80s and '90s. Welcome to California. Now go home. And um, I'm sure that in other states right now, welcome California. Now go home. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, everywhere is being overrun by Californians. Yeah. Well, we're evil. You know that. No, we're just fleeing our state. Yeah, no, we just came to our, our senses. Said, what have yeah, we created? Let's get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, there's a fair amount of crazy here. But uh, it is what it is. You know, you can't always uh, you can't always have that, that utopia that you're, you create in your mind. And your utopia may not be somebody else's utopia. So True. you never know. So, um, hey, the people over at Google have created a Google Nest clock. Uh, so it has like it's it's a smart display that that goes up on your wall, and it works with their uh, their Google Home is now called Google Nest Home, ah. and and so they've rebranded it as to one of their subsidiaries, which is they bought out Nest a while ago. Uh, and if, if you don't remember, Nest makes like the, the schmancy thermostats and the uh, smoke detectors and stuff, smart thermostats and smart smoke detectors. And uh, so this one, when you set an alarm, it'll like have a little band around it that'll count down for you and stuff. There's actually a, a mechanical clock with LEDs around the perimeter of it that Apple sells, or not Apple, um, Amazon sells as their uh, an echo clock as well. Um, cool. Uh, which I think, you know, it, I've not, I don't, I've not seen the Google Nest one. I've just seen pictures of it because they just announced it. But I actually have one of the Amazon ones. And although it's not a particularly attractive clock, it just looks like a round wall clock with hands on it. I mean, it looks almost like the one you would have in your old schoolroom or something. Maybe a little more, you know, slightly more modern looking than that. But you know, it's not nothing fancy. Um, That's but how it you is know nice. Apple didn't make it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because well, first of all, it didn't cost two hundred dollars, and it doesn't have finely beveled, polished aluminum edges. You know, <laughs> uh, but it's um, you know, it's a twenty-five dollar plastic clock, but it does have LEDs, sixty LEDs around the perimeter, and if you set a timer, it lights up the LED that it shows you you know how many minutes you have left, and when you get down within a minute, it lights up all the LEDs and then slowly turns them off as it goes around counting down. So you just kind of get a visual feedback on where you are on your timer if you set timers, and oh, if you should cool. set, and if you set multiple timers, um, then it'll have multiple LEDs lit up on there. And as each one gets down to within a minute, it'll then do the countdown for the last minute. Which, um, frankly, that's the primary thing we use our Amazon Echo for. And so I put the clock up in the kitchen so that you can just you know when you're cooking, you can kind of glance up real quick and just see where you are on your, uh, nice. on your whatever it is you're cooking. So I will say though that it. Having had the thing now for a while, it regularly loses contact with the Echo that it's uh, attached to, and so you have oh. to go and reset it. I have to reset it probably once every three weeks to five weeks, somewhere in there. And and it eats batteries. It runs on one single AA battery, and or maybe it's two AA, two AA batteries. It no, it's bad. Well, a lot of wall clocks are battery clocks. Oh, that's true. Um, but because it's you know got to maintain that Bluetooth connection and light up LEDs in addition to moving the little clock mechanism, it just it goes through batteries probably once every 
month and a half to two months. It doesn't last a real long time. Uh, whereas, you know, previous, like general wall clocks you'd pick up at Target or Walmart that run off batteries, you stick them on the wall, they're good for, you know, six months to a year. Yeah. Yeah. So. So um, I, I'm wondering, can you, setting alarms, can you have it, like, use different voices? So it's a, a guy, which normally the, the Schmatrexa has her, her very pleasant voice. Could it be a guy yelling, yeah! You yeah, know, it plays like a that. tone. It goes like boom, 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 boop, 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 boom, 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 boop, 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 when it's when the alarm when the timer goes off. Um, I think I'll have to check and see. I think with the with the app on your phone that that manages the device uh, that you can go into each device and and set like a song or any kind of tone you want as your as your alarm tone. I just left it with the default one. I should probably change it. You know. You know, I mean, be. you could you could do whatever. I mean, yeah, I, it would I, freak I, my I, wife I out. Of, yeah, the, <laughs> <laughs> she's the one who sets the timer a lot, you know, yes. and and uh-huh. she gets a recording of me going, "Time's up, time's up, time's up." <laughs> I remember the early days of, of customized ringtones, mm-hmm. and um, I, I might have talked about this before, but but Tobin recorded himself going, "Answer the phone!" like yelling, "Answer!" The phone. Yeah. I had one that my wife had, and I put it on her phone, and I didn't tell my wife and put one on her phone, and she was walking through the grocery store one time, and I called her, and what she got was me at the top of my voice going, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me, (laughs) going off, and she's like, how do I shut, first of all, she didn't know what it was, and then she realized it was coming from her purse, and then she had to get the phone out and shut the stupid thing off. She came home, and she didn't find it funny. I was laughing. And I left it on there for a long time. I said, you want to change it? You learn how to do it. Oh. She said, you want to eat? Cook your own meal. Oh, my So we found so a happy funny. medium there. I am picturing her in the grocery store. Like, if she does not, she's not the kind of person who wants to draw attention to herself at all. And so um, I'm imagining she must have been mortified. But I oh, thought it was yeah. hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually probably should have followed her in because, yeah, she would not have found that funny in the least bit. And, and, and then the anxiety of how do I shut this? First of all, what is this noisy thing? And then why is it happening? And how do I shut it off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's all. Oh, I don't do those so kind of things laughing. too often. Yeah, I don't do those kind of things too often because I, I do love my wife and, and I wouldn't want her to, like, you know, kill me while I sleep, so. Um, <laughs> She's going to make cookies for you and use baking soda instead of baking powder. She'll take a bite yeah. and taste like soap. Yeah, my sister already <laughs> did that once. Oh, no. Yeah, my sister. No, my, well, it's hard to tell with, with my sister Heidi. Um, she was in, like, I'm going to say probably junior high school. And she made a, a batch of cookies that looked beautiful. And a good friend of mine and I uh, came home from whatever we were doing. And they were fresh out of the oven. So we each grabbed them. We were the first two to bite into them. And, you know, instead of a half teaspoon and a half uh, quarter teaspoon of baking soda and baking powder, she used a half cup of each. And, oh, no. uh, oh my gosh. Tastes like you were biting into a bar of soap. It was hideous. <laughs> Absolutely hideous. <laughs> And she didn't understand what was going on. Like I said, I don't know whether she, uh, 
Yeah, I can change the alarm sounds. Oh my goodness. I can do all kinds of stuff here. <laughs> I can get uh, clips from Tara Reid or Ian, Ian Ziering from Sharknado. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh, the guys from Grand Tour. That's how I actually, that's my wake up alarm. Uh, on Grand Tour, um, I have the guy, the three guys from. Um, uh, top Gear? Is know, that the Top Gear guys? Yeah, it's the three Top Gear guys, and then they, they did the Grand Tour show on Amazon yeah. after they quit Top Gear, and now they're sort of in retirement, but they will do specials on occasion. And uh, and so it's the three of them going, why isn't he getting up? What, you know, So they start this conversation, I don't know, we're not really there. And he says, how do we know we're not really there? We could be in the wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> Except in the U.S., we don't use wardrobes. We have closets. I know, but it's, you know, they're, they're English gentlemen. <laughs> you know, but it's funny to wake up every morning to this conversation amongst these three guys going like, you know, just get up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, and it's like, how do you know it's in the morning? Well, that's when most people set their alarms. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. and I was thinking, you know, your wife makes delicious cookies. Mm-hmm. And so it could be, you know, the alarm for baking could be, ooh, we're going to have cookies soon. Ooh, we're going to have, or something like yeah. that. So Yeah, doing you know. the cookie dance or something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, the fun things we do. Yeah. It is the season. I could put the Monster Mash on there. Oh, yeah. You totally it could. It was the mash. It was the Monster Mash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I may do something like that. I like having fun with those kinds of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Life's too short. Fun in life. Yeah. So, um, let's see what's going on in the world. Apparently, there's an election happening. Um, <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, it's hard to tell because you know, it's not like there's any ads on TV saying vote yes or no on this proposition one way or the other because your life will end as you know it if you don't. Oh my gosh. I, I so I, that's the one thing about political seasons that I don't like is all of the advertising. You know, yeah. I, I don't mind yeah. the political discourse and the talking, but the the incessant piling on of smarmy, poorly conceived ads is just yes. horrible. Yes, it, it's the Monty Python scene in the Holy Grail where the witch scene. Um, you know, <laughs> the, 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 everybody's like, "Oh, wait, you know, turn me into a witch!" Ah! A witch. I mean, uh, you know, she's she's a witch. She's a witch. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. A newt. Well, I got better. You know, it's the same. Pardon my English accent's terrible, but it's the same kind of, you know, ridiculous claims and hyperbolic everything, and I, I just can't stand it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It really is. It's ridiculous. And you know, and the thing about all the ads is, you know, well, I shouldn't say just the ads. It's basically basically every time they open their mouths. They, um, you know, everything they, they, all their claims are unsubstantiated. You know, they just, they just say something and, and then they figure we'll, we'll, uh, we'll chase it later with an apology if, if people make too big a stink about the fact that what we said is not true. It's almost the way, you know, uh, a lot of our, our news outlets do things now. It's like as soon as something breaks, we publish it to get, you know, clicks and, 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 and if it turns out that it's not true, we'll, we'll post an apology later. Yeah, we'll um, fix it later. 
Yeah, and then it rolled yeah. on, and it's like, well, nobody ever sees you post it. In fact, I think a lot of them have just decided, well, we don't even have to post it. We just post it, you know. We don't have to post the apology. We'll just, just post the crap as it comes out and, and roll with it. Nobody cares. And oh, that's I have a breaking story. I have a breaking story uh, that's <gasps> just posted. Apparently, Don McClain has remained, uh, well, he remained famously cagey about the meaning of his 1971 song, American Pie. Uh, but mm-hmm. apparently he has been a, a little more revealing in, in a recent interview with The Guardian. He recounts how at the age 15 he had a premonition that his father was going to die, and it came true days later. He said he cried for two years. He blamed himself. Um, he, he, um, the interviewer asked him if the opening of American Pie, in which McLean remembers mourning the death of the unnamed Buddy Holly, might also be about his dad. And he said, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean... That's exactly right. That's why I don't like talking about the lyrics because I wanted to capture and say something that was almost unspeakable. It's indescribable. Um, McLean adds that American Pie isn't a biographical song, though he doesn't divulge much else. Uh, Walker then asked him if the gesture in the song is in fact Bob Dylan, a popular theory, and he said, I can't tell you, but he would make a damn good gesture, wouldn't he? Musically, mm-hmm. McLean asked... Um, uh, explains the song is an ideal combination of pop, rock, and folk, and um, he said, I've never said that to anybody in 50 years. So, anyway, yeah. interesting, interesting. Yeah, it is a classic song that people have parsed the meaning of for, for you know, since the day it was released. People have, have dug into it. I actually had a, uh, a professor in college who quoted some lines from it, and he says, you know what? He says, if anybody's interested, meet me in the pub after class, and we'll go through the whole thing. He says, "I can." I, he says, "I can tell you whatever you know, what he, line by line." <laughs> and, and I think most of the people in the class were were people who were young, so much so much younger. They kind of went like, "Who cares?" You know. <laughs> but there's a few of us in there who, I mean, at the time I was younger too. But I I tend to like, um, you know, more of the classic rock type genre. And so uh, I didn't go to the pub because I didn't really care. But um, but uh, it was interesting that, that, you know, he was very wrapped up in it. So I have to say, I, I loved it when our professors, and really it, it wasn't until I was well, well up into my major, so uh, senior year uh, in mm-hmm. college, where the professor was like, let's, let's meet in pub, let's talk about this topic um, over a pint. And, and we did, right. and enjoyed it, and yeah. it was great. And I did, too, on different subjects. It's just this particular professor and that particular topic wasn't enticing enough for me, and I think I had another class I had to go to, so it was like, eh whatever you know but but yeah yeah you're right when when you got to the point where you sort of uh were talking to them as another human being who's interested in a topic as opposed to you know i run a classroom and dictate how things will go in this classroom and you have to do what i tell you to to get a grade from me uh which is sort of the attitude that um they have uh, or at least that is the sense that's given out, especially for like the, like you said, the the underclassmen type classes and the and the big halls and stuff. Um, but as you get into things that are more nitty gritty, that's the stuff that's that I think they as professors are more interested in because it's more specific to what they care about. You know, when they're teaching the upper upper uh, classmen and graduate classes. Yes. And yes. and so that's when you can actually get in and have great conversations about stuff because. Absolutely. Um, you know, at that level, sometimes the 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 the, the topic isn't settled. You know, 
very often when you're at the lower ends, you're either learning the very basics of something or, you know, when you're a freshman, you're learning the very basics of something or the history of it. You're not actually doing anything that has to do with where, where the current thought is on that particular topic. And by the time you get to the upper, upper grades and, and graduate school, um, you know, sometimes there's literally the science isn't settled or the, the you know, and obviously, uh, you know, science isn't settled doesn't apply to English majors. But, but you know, the, you might be really into, you know, not only poetry, but a specific era of poetry and the kind. And now you can talk to somebody who knows that really deeply. And, you know, that's when, when learning can be just so much fun and so engaging. Yep, I, I 100% agree with you. That's, yeah, that's the sweet stuff. It is. So, it I is. actually really enjoyed being in college. I enjoyed being a student. And if I had the means to just be a student, I think I would be. Um, yeah, I was kind of on the life plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's it's fun and engaging, and 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 not just sitting in class. I mean, obviously, or doing homework. It's the it's the conversations that you have um, in those classes, and you know, it 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 just you know, I enjoy it. I like it. I do too. I do too. I enjoy learning. I, I, you know, I mean, I'm always reading about new things and learning about things as I, as I go. Um, I just enjoy that. And I, you know, that's, I think that, you know, when I was teaching in a classroom, that's the one thing that I tried to instill more than anything else was the, the joy in figuring something new out, you know, regardless of what it was and hope that, that, you know, that my students would find that in something, whether it was, you know, a topic in my classroom or another classroom but if there's something that you have any interest in and there's got to be something go learn about it and find joy in learning about it and getting smarter about that thing you know yes um and uh you know i mean you do have to have a sort of general understanding of a lot of things but you know as i was trying to explain to them a lot of of grade school and high school is giving you the skill set to be able to understand the details of other things right you know you know, you have to have that ability to process and, and understand reasoning. And, and then you can pick the thing that you think is cool and go learn more about it. And, and, uh, and then go do that or teach that or, or explore areas of that that nobody else has explored. So yeah, speaking of learning new things, unbelievably, doctors may have found a new organ hidden in the head. I heard about that in the throat, basically. Yes. It doesn't, how, how many, how many dissections and, you know, um, uh, surgeries and, you know, uh, uh, things have happened over the last several hundred years that we didn't see this one. So, yeah, for the I mean, Leonardo da Vinci was, was, was looking at cadavers and, and, and drawing the body and apparently it's visible, but it's very small. Yes, well, it would have to be, right? Um, yeah. So, for the past three centuries, doctors have been under the impression that humans have three major types of salivary glands. So, they're by the ears, below the jaw, and under the tongue. Now, they think that there's a fourth, according <laughs> Over to... Over the mountain, this, behind this, the hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So according to this, this uh, cancer institute in the Netherlands. So, Dutch researchers were looking for tumorous growth in using a new kind of advanced scan of tissues when they spotted thin flat glands each about two inches long on the tubes joining the ears the throat and hidden under at the base of the skull uh we thought it wasn't possible to discover this in 2020 but there they were um 
And these glands can't be seen on MRI or CT scan, but they did indeed find the glands, similar to salivary glands found, found underneath the tongue. And the, and one they proposed naming the two burial glands as PSMA, pet CT, oh, P, in PS, sorry, proposed naming two burial glands in the PSMA PET CT scans of 100 people. Um, all but one of them are male, and in two cadavers, male and female. Um, so, so these are going to be called tuberial glands or tubarial glands. Um, hmm. Yeah, interesting, right? I, yeah. I, I, now I, you know, base of the skull. Why would you need salivary glands or gland at the at the base of your skull, mm-hmm. right? Well, apparently they, they attach into your throat there somewhere, so they just add more, more um, either uh, help you you break down food or help provide fluid to push the food through. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure you know. Now that they found it, they're going to figure out more about what they do and, and how they add in, or whether they're vestigial or you know, or maybe they only fire up during certain times or who knows. But uh, now that they know they're there, they can start learning, right? Yeah, they talk they about learning new that, stuff. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. You know. um, can you imagine if you were like a biologist uh, and and or, or and you knew or you were, and you were studying anatomy, and and you and that was the thing that you chose that you were going to do your whole life, and, and you thought, oh well, we know this stuff, so it's you know now we're just learning more about you know the the chemistry of it, and then you find out there's a whole you know salivary organ that that exists in humans we didn't even know about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it makes like... me wonder if they'll go back and try to find those glands um, in old cadavers. Because, you know, is this a new, has it always been there, just hidden? Yeah. Or is this a new evolutionary something or other? Yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and how far, I mean, I don't know how how well that is preserved and how they could find that, you know? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. But, you, but it's, a, it's an interesting question. Is it, yeah, is this an evidence of, of some sort of uh, evolution that something's changing in humans or a gene that is gotten turned on at some point and these are now developing that they didn't or are they something that was you know um, maybe more active and used in youth and then basically shuts down as an adult who knows uh, no. interesting stuff yeah very very interesting it is so did tuned. you know that John Lennon was would have been 80 um, uh, two weeks ago today Wow, really? 80, 80 years old, yeah. He was born in 1940. Yeah. Huh. huh. Yeah. No, I didn't On the know n- that. 9th of October. Yep. Hard um, to believe. Yeah, it is hard to believe. Um, yeah, it is hard to believe. Um, yeah, and, there's, and their music is still though. being the basis of movies. You know, that, that recent movie yesterday was... Uh, was basically uh you know all based on on their music and around their music they even had an actor play john lennon if if he had lived in the movie so so well and you know it it does make sense though because you were just talking about paul mccartney last week or earlier this week and he's Mm -hmm. 78 right so yeah and these guys were they were friends in school so they obviously knew each other they were roughly the same age and so Um, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It just, uh, yeah. you know. That, yeah, Paul McCartney you, releasing the new album. I think we just talked about it yesterday. You're right. That yesterday, yeah. So. Yeah, um, McCartney 3. Kind of crazy. Yeah. 
Guess we all get older. If we have to. So, but, you know, it's interesting because in some ways, you don't, you don't, when you're a kid, you're very aware of how old you are. But as an adult, it's not in your mind unless you're, unless you purposely think about it, right? Purposefully, or like, right. you know, you're intentional about thinking about it. Um, and so the passage of time is perceived very differently. Um, and, you know, I, I, by the time you and I were aware of what the world was, what was going on in the world, the Beatles were a thing. And so they've always oh, yeah. been there. And the reality is, is they're going to die because everybody dies. Nobody gets out of this world alive. And so, you know, that just, it just puts things in a weird perspective. You know, like it makes mm -hmm. you think about your own age. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Those things that you, like you said, it's those things that you have just sort of taken for granted because they've always been there. You know? Yes. Uh, I think it's one of those things that, you know, like it, when when you lose a parent, you're like, that's, that, that's kind of earth-shaking because they've always been there. Your entire life, they've been there. And if you needed to pick up the phone and talk to them, you could because they've yes. always been there. And then yes. suddenly they're not. And suddenly they're not. Yes. And the yeah. reality is is that they were always going to die. Now, with, with because everybody dies. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Everybody dies. Um, and, yeah. you know, when somebody, with John Lennon, in our minds he's kind of seared in our minds in his 40s right because that's how old he was when yeah. he was assassinated and right you know to think of him as being an 80 year old man it kind of boggles the mind yeah yeah it definitely does it's yeah because you know and yet you know we've seen paul mccartney age as we go along and and, and ringo and and for a while john uh, or uh, george harrison as well you know, so we've seen them move along and seen them age, and it seems perfectly natural that you know Paul McCartney is seventy-eight uh, because we've you know he's stayed in the public eye and he's been putting out yes. music and he's been there. Um, but those people that are, are that you know have died young, they're always seared in our mind at a specific time, right? And so that's just what you yes. remember them as. Yes. Um, that they'll you know they'll be that age forever. Um, yes. You know, so. Marilyn Monroe being the iconic example of that. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's that whole list of the the 27 Club, all the rock and rollers oh, that yeah. died at age 27 that you sort of remember as a 27 year old, you know? Yes. Uh, and so, uh, you know, a lot of them would be much much older now. All of them would be much much older now had they lived yes. because you know that's what yeah, time Jimmy does. Yeah, Hendrix and, and uh, mm -hmm. Janis Joplin. Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them. Amy Winehouse. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Ah, um, things that make you, you can think. Google the, you can Google the 27 Club. It's it's uh, here. Just a quick rundown: Brian Jones from the um, Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, uh, uh, Jean Michael Basquiat was a uh, famous painter. Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse uh, were some of the top ones. Um, yeah, there's a uh, mural in Tel Aviv that has all of their faces on it. That's fairly famous. Um, but yeah, no, there's a lot of people. That's it's a weird one too. That that you know that that age seems to be where a lot of stuff happens. Yep. Man. So on to happier. Wow. <laughs> this list is long. I'm scrolling down this list. There's a lot. Of course, a lot of these people. You look at them and you go like, eh, who are they? Anton Yelchin, the guy who played. Oh, um, yes. He was 27. Yeah. I didn't realize that. He played Chekhov either. in the Star Trek reboot. Wow. Interesting. That that one really upset me. 
I, I so liked him, that actor. You know, I, I, I liked Me him too. as an actor. And when he died, I had I seen was... him in a couple other things, and he was great. Yes. I saw him in an episode of NYPD Blue re- recently, because Tobin's been re-watching them. Like, oh my gosh, that's him. So, yeah. Yeah, he was a very talented guy. So, yeah. on to happier news, Walmart is Yes, let's move on. Yes. Has, is <laughs> that's happy? U.S. government. What was that? I said, that's happy? Yes, Walmart is suing the U.S. government in a preemptive strike in its battle over its responsibility in the opioid abuse crisis. So the government is expected to take civil action against the world's largest retailer, seeking big financial penalties for the role its pharmacies may have played in the crisis by filling opioid prescriptions. Although, is it really the pharmacist's responsibility? If, if, if a doctor has written a legitimate prescription... And this is before people knew that there was a problem, um, you know, that they, that before pharmacists were kind of put in as a stopgap, you know, is the pharmacy yeah. responsible? So uh, yeah. Walmart filed a lawsuit um, uh, saying the Justice Department and the DEA are blaming the company for the government's own lack of regulatory and enforcement policies to stem the crisis. So. Yeah, I. I, I from the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I think that there's there's probably, they'd be hard-pressed to find that Walmart did something wrong because, you know, Walmart is ginormous. But I know that there was an uh, 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 some, a news story broke about a pharmacist in a little town in West Virginia where he was the only pharmacy, and there was like, like 80 people in town, and 60 of them were addicted to opioids, and that they're, the, you know, like, I can't remember, some ridiculous percentage of the population of all the opioids for the entire state were prescribed by this or were, wow. were dispensed by this pharmacy and and you know and it was clear that that the pharmacist and or the doctors in that town were not behaving in a moral and ethical fashion and you know that can i i can see a case being made there but it'd be hard pressed to say that you know somebody at a walmart pharmacy was tracking you know how many prescriptions each person got and whether or not they should be getting them. I mean, you know, that's all built into the computer system anyway. It's like, right. You know, your, 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 your pharmacy goes by what the, what your insurance says and your insurance will only give you X number of pills every X number of days. And you know, that's all computerized with the big companies, but like Joe's pharmacy in Podunk, West Virginia, you know, probably doesn't even have a computer. Um, And I say that they might, but you know, yeah, I, I know what you mean. The um, I know that the opioid epidemic devastated small town America, in mm-hmm. Ohio, in West Virginia, in Pennsylvania, in Florida, in throughout yeah, the South, little rural towns, seaboard. All of these little bitty towns were just wiped out. Like their their young people, so many of them were addicted, and many many of them died because of it. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just devastating. I think Purdue Pharma definitely what happened to them is a good thing that they are that they basically, you know, they're not allowed to, you know, they, they got sued into oblivion. Um, yeah. Yeah. The company has gone away. They're lucky yes. they aren't being sued for for the deaths of all the people involved and that they're not, you know, um, being charged with that criminally, because, I mean, I, I think a direct connection could be made. Well, maybe that's coming, Todd. Maybe they were waiting for this. Yeah. Um, to be adjudicated before those lawsuits came up. 
Possibly, yeah. You know, I mean, I, you, you know, do you hold the 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 board or the 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 corporate officers? You know, I mean, it'd be hard pressed to say that you know a chemist who happened to work there is the guy who you're going to you know hang on you know up for for the this horror. Um, you know, and I'm sure the same thing is you know, like if you go to the marketing department, well, they're the ones who went and pitched this to everybody and sold it to everybody. It's like, yeah, but they're doing what their scientists and their leaders and their company said was safe. You know, that's the game they'll play, whether they believe it or not. That's that's certainly going to be the defense. Right. So who do you who yes. in the corporation do you hold accountable? I think, you know, you've got to go to the leadership. Yeah, I think the board, the CEO, the chief medical officer, um, you know, people who are supposed to have known better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, because I'm thinking your marketing people, chances are they don't have degrees in biochemistry. Right. So they they are they are told by the by the scientists what's true and what's not. And then they craft the message. Um, yeah. Their job they, is to can... smile, look pretty and pitch pills to doctors. Exactly. And so, I say that for both and, men's and men and women salespeople. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of female doctors out there. So, yeah. um, you know, I, unless they can prove otherwise that there's a direct link of of that, that that the marketing department knew or that the leadership in the marketing department knew i don't think that you can i don't think you can make that connection but certainly your right. chief medical officer your chief biochemist your your ceo and your board should have known yeah well and you've got to think that there's going to be somewhere in in unless somebody's you know conveniently destroyed it that there's going to be documents internal documents where they're talking about you know the the testing of these things and they're either saying you know we believe this to be safe because or hey there are some problems here but you know we can make a lot of money <laughs> you know there's got to be like a smoking gun like that somewhere in documentation because somewhere along the line somebody had to make a decision and either they were negligent in in not knowing and 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 their documents will say you know, this is what we believe in, that we believe it's safe, or they were um, uh, actively ignoring that. Yep. So. Well. Anyway. Yeah, I, I'm glad to see they've, they're getting their comeuppance, and I, I would like to see people uh, being held personally liable for the, for the evil that they committed, um, for the number of lives they destroyed. So. <sighs> Oh my goodness! Excuse me. Well, we are out of time. We are. We are. Hey, is is Oct Is it this month? Is Breast Cancer Awareness Month? It is. Or is it next month? It is no, this month, October. isn't it? Yeah. It's October. That's right. We haven't mentioned it. Here we are, you know, twenty three days into the month, and, and and didn't mention it at all. So we'll have to uh, bring that up next week and say, you know, wear a wear a pink T shirt because everybody on the radio will know. <laughs> <laughs> All you podcasters, be aware, I'm wearing a pink T-shirt today. You know why? It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. That's right. Um, you know, it's funny because it, I, they didn't do it this year, but uh, maybe because of everything else going on. The NFL very often would like their, their players would all wear like pink socks or pink, um, uh, uh, you know, wear some pink trim on their gloves and things like that. So you would see it during the NFL usually. And that was sort of my reminder. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, and in normal times, I would be bowling. And I had a teammate who, whose mother uh, was a breast cancer survivor. And so, you know, he asked us, he said, you know, do you mind, you know, one day, one, one weekend, could we all wear pink one day, you know, just to honor my mom? And we all did. And so we did that every year. 
Nice. And, uh, of course, no bowling. So, taint happening now. But, uh, uh, but yeah, no, I thought it was really nice, too. And I thought it was, I was touched that he asked. I mean, it was, you know, it was like, absolutely. You know, there was no hesitation. We all, all made sure that we uh, uh, had pink on. And, and, you know, most of us went and bought uh, shirts that paid to a charity. So, you know, it was not only a pink shirt, but it, you know, had a like little pink ribbon indicator on it or something so that, it, you know, some of the profits went to uh, breast cancer research. So, yeah, like so Susan G. Komen or one of the other right. foundation yeah. or one of the Exactly. So, it's like if you're going to wear pink, if, you know, if you don't have pink shirts at home and you're going to go buy one, you might as well buy one that's going to do some good too, right? So, we need to wrap it up. I know you got actual job to get to. So, uh, thank you. you so much for joining us today. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you on, or we won't see you. You'll hear us on Monday. Monday! Thank <laughs> you.